Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Repeat after me. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. It's a Jamie from Progressive. Shh, Jamie. No, it's all right. I can talk. Progressive protects you 24-7, which means you can contact us anytime. Hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound, so I'm going to talk louder. What can I help you with today? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Progressive can do that. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill. Hopefully, you're having a good Monday, and we have a lot to get to. The NFL free agency period pretty much done. Of course, the one big fish still out there with Ndamukong Sue, and we'll get to him in a little bit. But today marks one month from the draft in Dallas, April 26th, and there's a lot going on. Of course, the Jets recently moved up via trade. Mm-hmm. The Colts move back. The Giants may move all over the board. We don't know what's going on with the Browns. So, Josh, I ask you, going forward, what do you see the top of the draft shaking out like with the Browns having two of the top four picks? Mm -hmm. Of course, then the Giants, the Jets, and the Broncos rounding out the top five. I think things get really interesting with the Giants at two because they can do a number of different things, and nobody really knows what they're thinking. You could go maybe a Quentin Nelson, grab somebody on the offensive line, really fortify that, especially, you know, not just, you know, Eli maybe one more run, but if you are going to bring in a franchise quarterback, you're going to want to have as good a protection in front of him as possible. The Saquon Barkley question, that's another thing. Um, I honestly think that they go Bradley Chubb, though, number two. They get rid of Jason Pierre-Paul this weekend, in a, or the last week in a trade, opens up a spot on that defensive end. And Chubb, you know, we were hearing people compare him to uh, Miles Garrett from last year. He's a better prospect. I think that the Giants really want to get good defensively, really want to get another guy like Pierre Paul on the end of that defensive line for the years to come. Chubb's the guy to go. You can grab a quarterback later in the draft, grab offensive line help later. Chubb's just seems like he's the guy that might be too good to pass up on. You know, if I were the Giants, I would take a quarterback, but I, I don't think they're going to. I think you're right. Yeah. I think Chubb is going to be the pick. I think everybody thought maybe a Shaquan Barkley. I think he's mm-hmm. actually going to slide out maybe to the fifth pick or even yeah. further. Um, but, yeah, Chubb... He does replace Pierre Paul, mm-hmm. and he's much cheaper, and he's got all ten fingers. And it's you know, perk. you look at Chubb coming in playing opposite Olivier Vernon. They paid him a ton of money, mm-hmm. so that makes sense. You're trying to get the most production possible. Yeah. I think though, with the Browns, you know, Dan Patrick, there was a report that the Browns are trying to bait the Giants into moving up to one because they don't really want Darnold; they want mm-hmm. Josh Allen. I still think Darnold goes number one. Mm-hmm. I, I still think he goes to Cleveland. To me, does Cleveland draft it for? Do they trade back? I think Cleveland's going to trade out of that pick. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills go there. I think the Bills want to get in there, get a quarterback. Uh, Right now they have two picks in the first and the Mm -hmm. second and the third. So the Bills are loaded with draft capital. Um, But I think you're going to have Darnold go. And I think somewhere in there, Rosen goes and Allen goes. I think you're going to have three quarterbacks off the board in the top five picks. Because the Browns and the Jets are definitely taking one. The Broncos could, although Case Keenum may be out of the running there now. Uh, and I think, but I think somebody gets to four, if not two, and gets that other quarterback. Two teams that I think you should maybe keep an eye on as outside the box dark horse teams maybe trade up. Miami moving up Agreed. and taking Baker Mayfield, Agreed. and we've we talked about it before on shows 
passed and it's kind of a growing conversation. A little died out a little bit, but the Saints maybe moving up and taking Baker Mayfield. We know that, you know, Tyson Hill's in New Orleans, and we heard on the Fox broadcast last year that he's the guy that Sean Payton wants. It was a big deal. But if you got an opportunity to move up and get a Baker Mayfield, sure. and he can kind of take that mantle from Drew Brees, learn from him for a couple of years, that would be something that I wouldn't be surprised if it would happen. Uh, but I think, yeah, the Browns go quarterback number one. Darnold, I think maybe he'll be the pick. We're a month out, and we don't really have a consensus number one quarterback, and I think that's a problem. I think that's something that we need to address a little bit moving forward because by this point in time in years past, we've had very identifiable number one picks. We've had, oh, it's going to be Jadavian Clowney. Oh, it's going to be this guy. Oh, it's going to be that guy. Not this year. we got three quarterbacks who are all wild cards, and I'm, I'm not really sure how to feel about that. We haven't even touched on, you know, I guess briefly I did, but Saquon Barkley, who mm-hmm. – may go to Denver at five, you know, may fall out of the top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Cleveland stayed at four, potentially, but they did sign Carlos Hyde. So you think maybe they filled that need a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll give you another team to watch that would have to trade a lot but could get there is Arizona. Yeah. Arizona desperately needs a quarterback mm-hmm. in the worst way. I'm sorry, Sam Bradford, that is a break glass in case of emergency situation, and he'll probably break something, maybe not the glass. I don't understand if you're the Cardinals where you're going with that quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. I know it could be a bridge. I get all that. I think they can move up. And you mentioned Miami. I think the Dolphins absolutely could do mm-hmm. it. We know that they like Mayfield. They've already visited with him once. They look to visit with him again. Uh, it would make a lot of sense. The Dolphins are basically on a year-to-year at this point with Tannehill. Mm-hmm. So they could move on. Adam Gase may feel a little bit of heat. Uh, but, you know, if, if all those guys go in the top five that we talked about, you mentioned Quentin Nelson, the guard out of Notre Dame. That leaves Minka Fitzpatrick. Yep. That leaves Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. That leaves Denzel Ward. If you're in the top 10, you should be getting a very good player. Calvin yeah. Ridley, everybody thought it was going to be a top 10 pick. Now, all of a sudden, it seems like he might be mm-hmm. toward the back half of the first round. Yep. The draft is really starting to shift, and we always see that after the combine and during the pro. Could you imagine if the Dolphins were able to – I don't know how they would do it, but if they were able to get Baker Mayfield and then also get Odell Beckham and then have the two of them in Miami together? I wrote about it today on Fanside.com. <laughs> I, I think – I actually – I wrote about Odell Beckham and said that if he gets traded – I think the number one destination is Miami. South Beach, we all know he's a big fan of that. And Baker Mayfield, like, like Miami has a hard time putting butts in the seats. Mm-hmm. That would put butts in the seats. Oh, like yeah. Baker Mayfield, and then on top of that, Odell Beckham. Too bad they didn't keep Landry, who's his best friend at LSU. Right, that would have been fitting. But, look, I think, I think the draft's fascinating. Obviously, we'll talk about it every week until we get to it. Um, but I, I think that, you know, Cleveland, of course, holds the keys with two of the top four picks. Mm-hmm. But the Giants are like the ultimate wild card in this whole thing. We know the Jets want a quarterback. The Giants, it feels like they could stay there and take anybody or they could trade out. So it leads to a lot of chaos. Yeah, so I've got Sam Darnold one, Bradley Chubb two. I've got Baker Mayfield going three. We'll see if that plays out. Barkley going four and Josh Allen going five. Okay, I got, I'll, I'll take Darnold and Chubb. I'm with you on the first two picks. I think the Jets are going to go Allen. You right. hear that they like him. I would take Rosen, but I think that's where he goes. I think the Bills get the four, mm-hmm. and they take Rosen. And I think Ooh. the Broncos will take Nelson at five because that offensive line has been in shambles for years. They need a lot of help. Speaking of the guys that need a lot of help, Indomitian Sue, he is a free agent. He was cut. We did our show last week, and he still doesn't have a home. These free agents, they seem to be able to find homes, get signed. Not him. One of the best defensive players in his prime, you could say. But now you've got a number of teams, the Jets, the Titans, you've got the Rams are interested yep. in him. And where is he going to go? What's the story with Ndamukong Sue? Well, he visited with Tennessee. He visited with the Rams. He visited with the Saints. 
He was going to visit with the Raiders. That got called off, so assuming they're mm-hmm. out of it. The Jets have now kind of said we're pulling back. Mm-hmm. We're a little bit. So it looks like it's a three-team race. It looks like the Rams, the Saints, and the Titans. If Amendamic and Sue, and he's, he's been pretty blunt, it's about going to the highest bidder. So I think if you look at these teams, the Rams and the Titans have the most money. The Saints yeah. are up against it financially just with the cap. I think he's going to the Rams. Wade Phillips in that defense with Aaron Donald and that secondary, of course, with, with Akeem Tlaib and Marcus Peters and Marcus Joyner. I think the Rams make all sense. Plus, look, it's, it's a warm-weather city. It's, it's a big city. I think yep. Sue, that fits who he is, that personality. He's 31 years old, a five-time All-Pro. He's still a really good player. Uh, look, I, I think if you're him at this point, you get your money, you get your city, and you get a chance to win a ring. If I'm him, I'm going to the Rams. But the Titans and the Saints – Got to say they're still in the mix. The Saints, I, I, I can't see him going to the Saints if the Rams are truly interested. Because it's not a hard sell. Like you said, going to L.A. It's not. Not only just the, the climate, the culture that he's in in L.A., where that's attractive generally anyways, but that team is so good. I think that they're going to take a big leap next year. That's one of my teams to watch. We're going to talk about it a little bit later if there's a team to challenge the Eagles. I'm going to talk about the Rams a little bit because they are phenomenally good. Wade Phillips' defense, getting Indomitian Sue in there, plugging the middle, it's just unfair. It's, it's unfair. And the seismic shift that we've seen in the NFC West now, where years before it was the Seahawks and it was the Cardinals, now in a year, all of a sudden it's the Rams' division to lose, in my opinion. Yeah. And that was before they even considered getting Sue. So adding him on top of that, that's incredible. The Rams won the division last year, did not have a keep to leave, mm-hmm. not of Marcus Peters. Okay, Jared Goff's coming into his third year now. Might add Indomitian Sue. There's a lot going on there. And on top of that, they beat Seattle so bad last year in Seattle that the Seahawks decided to blow up the entire team. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Like, the Seahawks made the playoffs for like five or six years straight. Mm-hmm. And the Rams beat them so badly in a basically a divisional, you know, winner-take-all mm-hmm. type of game. They rebuilt. So, I, I think the Rams are the team. I think that's where he ends up. He visited there. By all counts, it went well. Uh, and, and if he goes there... You could put you and me on the edges of that defense with those two guys inside, and you'd probably get 10 sacks. I mean, teams are going to have to pack in so much on the interior. The Rams, with that group of talent, and Wade Phillips as their defensive coordinator, that could be the best defense in the NFL if Sue goes there. So the Legion of Boom became the Legion of Thud with the old old Los Angeles Rams. Who would have thought Sean McVay coming in there and doing that? Really, that that team is scary. I worry about Goff getting figured out a little bit. Yeah. I just, you know, because look, McVay's offense was so incredibly high powered, and he, and they did all these imaginative things. Now teams have had a year to prepare mm-hmm. for it. So can they correct back to the adjustments teams make? But man, if that if they can score twenty points a game with that defense, you're going to win quite a few games. Yeah, and I wonder what Matt Lafleur leaving to go to Tennessee is going to do too, because he That's was true. a big part of that offense. Interested in seeing what Tennessee's offense looks like with him. And if there's anything that goes wrong with Jared Goff, let's not all put it on Sean McVay right away or Jared Goff. They took a key cog out of that whole machine right there and put it somewhere else. So, but like I said, the defense, all they got to do is score like a couple field goals. Right. Put Legatron yeah. out there. You're fine. Yeah, right, right. I mean, they lost Watkins, but they still have Cooper Cup going into the yeah. second year. They have Gurley. Look, I think the Rams, if you're Sue, to me, that's the spot. Mm-hmm. They're the best team, and they play in L.A. One spot where Sue is maybe rumored to be going, it was very brief, but – the hole was filled. Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers, they trade for Jason Gier, uh, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Easy for you to say. There you go. Well, I better get used to saying it. <laughs> yeah. Finally have a defensive end. Um, they trade uh, with the New York Giants. They get rid of him. David Gettleman's making moves. Now the Bucs, 
they kind of fill some problems at the end of the defensive line. It's been Gerald McCoy and nobody else for years. He's been going to Pro Bowls. He's an All-Pro. You could say he's in a Hall of Fame career, but he's had no help. Finally, they revamped that defensive line. And in New York, they open up a spot, like we said earlier, to maybe draft Bradley Chubb. And now you've gotten his money off the books. You can move around, do some things with that. So in your eyes, Verderam, who won the Jason Pierre-Paul trade? Was it New York or was it Tampa? I think it was your Bucks. Look, he's still a good player. He maybe isn't the guy he was Mm -hmm. five years ago when he was arguably the best defensive player in the league all pro season they won the super bowl uh but he can still play he can still give you 10 sacks a year he's still somebody you have to account for still somebody you get a double and as you mentioned look he goes and plays with Gerald mccoy now they added vinnie curry who's a solid player noah spence Mm -hmm. he's still a young up-and-coming player so the the buccaneers last year as you know well know finished dead last against the pass last year finished dead last in sacks dead last in total defense like you you have to help out. I think that secondary with Grimes and Hargraves, at least there's some building blocks. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter if you can't get any pressure. I yeah. mean, if a guy can sit back there and throw for five seconds, especially in your division where you got the Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. Cam Newton, Drew Brees, you got to get pressure. Yeah. So I understand why the Bucks did it. I don't think they gave up a ton for him. You, no. you, know, you swap fours, you gave up a three, big deal. I think you're fine there. You take on a lot of money, but the Buccaneers right now can do that. They have the cap space. And for the Giants, I understand what you're doing. Like You're moving on. You're trying to clear some space to keep Landon Collins, maybe to keep Odell Beckham. We'll see how that all shakes out. Um, but for the Giants, I understand why they did it. But for the Bucks, I think it was a good time to take advantage of an opportunity. Yeah, I see this as a win-win because you've got the Giants. They've now opened up a spot where maybe they can get younger on defense, kind of keep that whole legacy going. And they have options at two now. You don't really have to go with a quarterback. Where I fear, I fear that the Browns and some of these other teams might get bullied into taking a quarterback because they have to. I think the Giants and Gettleman really kind of opened up some options for themselves there to be able to do that. And like you said, the money. They're going to need to keep this team together. They're going to need to bring people in. This is not as bad of a situation as some of these other, other teams are, but the Giants need to do some work to get back to where they were a couple of years ago. And then if it starts working, they're going to need money to keep it all together. And Tampa... You know, complete homer bias here. But, you know, I I love the move because it finally gives them some kind of edge presence. You look at all of the the problems that they've had. They drafted Noah Spence because they needed help on the edge. They wanted to bring back Michael Bennett this year because this whole problem started when they let him go to Seattle a couple of years ago. So this is a win-win to me. If you're a Giants fan, you should be really happy about this. Jason Pierre-Paul was great. But, you know, like I said, not the player he used to be. Don't cry too many tears for it. But if you're a Tampa fan... He's only 29, and he doesn't turn 30 until after this season's over. So you still, you're getting him still in his 20s. He's a USF kid. He went to college at USF, so he's coming home. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a good move for the Bucs there. Really excited for that. But speaking of the Bucs, John Gruden used to coach there, coaches in Oakland now. We said last week, you know, he's trying to take it back to 2002. The joke is that he's taking it back to 1998. What what's the story? Like, what is the story? The, the, story, John the, the story is I don't think that's a joke. Uh, I think he wants to take it back. Look, just let's just look at the facts. Like, take away all the all the you know the fun and the puns about mm-hmm. the Raiders this offseason cut Michael Crabtree yep. to sign Jordy Nelson. So you got older, you got a little slower. Fine. They also go out and sign Keith Smith, who I would I would wager that nobody. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Who listens to the show knows who he is because I didn't even know it until I looked him up as a fullback. No. Okay. 
They went out and got they re-signed Lee Smith and mm-hmm. they and they signed Derek Carrier, two more guys you couldn't pick out of a lineup. We're both blocking tight ends. And defensively, where they need the most help, they don't re-sign Navarro Bowman. What a good year for them. Signed to hear Whitehead, who's fine, but he's probably not Bowman. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, Rashawn Melvin comes in, the corner out of Indianapolis. He's a corner out of Indianapolis. And the Raiders had so much confidence that they signed him for one year. So to me, like, this team clearly needs to be built around Derek Carr and Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. You've helped neither of them. Like you've gotten demonstrably worse offensively, in my opinion. And they signed Doug Martin. How could I forget? He of 2.9 yards per carry each of the last two years and a suspension. Mm-hmm. I don't understand if you're the Raiders and, and you're John Gruden. Like, what, what is the idea? Are you just going to say, we've got a good offensive line, we're going to go two tights, and we're going to blast beast mode mm-hmm. up, up behind Rodney Hudson the whole game? Because you have no third tight end. You have no, or you have no third receiver. You have no first string tight end. I don't understand what their plan is. They need to score 30 points a game to win with that defense, and they're building an offense that can score 10. Mm-hmm. I'm not great at math. <laughs> That's not good. No. Uh, it's crazy uh, theory here. Say John Gruden doesn't leave Oakland to go to Tampa Bay or get traded, I guess. Sure. And he goes to that Super Bowl. Do they win? And if they don't win, are we even in this position? Because the only reason he's back in Oakland right now is because he's the one that got away. He's the one that he was supposed to take them to that Super Bowl. He was maybe supposed to win that Super Bowl with him, but he did it in Tampa instead. And now, you know, Al Davis and the legacy of Al Davis has been he should have never got rid of Gruden because they've cycled through head coaches since then. they cycled through quarterbacks since then. And that's really kind of the genesis of how they fell from this organization that looked like it was on the rise. So do you think that this aura of John Gruden is even a thing in Oakland if he doesn't, leave, he doesn't succeed that first time? Well, if he loses the Super Bowl, he's Bill Callahan. Because well, Bill Callahan go. did lose the Super Bowl. <laughs> right? First of all, I will say this unbiasedly because I don't care about either of these teams on a personal level. The Buccaneers would have housed the Raiders if Tony Dungy was still the head coach. And that has nothing to do with Gruden. That has to do with having an all-time great defense. Okay, And, and I respect Rich Gannon and all that. But like the Buccaneers took them to the, to the woodshed in that game. And I, I think it would have happened anyway. Look, John Gruden is a very good head coach historically. Man won a mm-hmm. Super Bowl, turned around the Raiders in the late 90s. But it's like that dirty secret that nobody talks about. They never won another playoff game in Tampa after that. Nope. And they had a lot of bad years. My concern is if you look at the Buccaneers' offenses under Gruden, Gruden is an offensive guy. When he came there from Oakland, and really when he came to Oakland from Philly and Green Bay, when he was an assistant back way back when in the 90s, he was an offensive assistant. So his offenses in Tampa Bay, by and large, were terrible. Yeah, They, they were relying solely on that defense to win games. And he's not a defensive guy. No. So, you know, he had Monty Kiffin. Monty Kiffin is the yeah. biggest reason that team won the Super Bowl way back when. So, to me, Gruden comes in. Derek Carr is good. Amari Cooper, I think, is good. He had a terrible year last year. Who else is good, skill position-wise, for them or on their defense outside of Khalil Mack? I, I look at the Raiders, and I look at what Gruden's done, and I say, you need to adapt to now instead mm-hmm. of trying to make the entire league get into a time travel, and go back 20 years. Are you holding Gruden more responsible for these moves than you are Reggie McKenzie? Because it came out that Reggie McKenzie was basically told, you do what John Gruden tells you to do. And if you we want to talk about the last time John Gruden had a good team, it got torn apart because he started tinkering with the uh, Tony Dungy team in Tampa. He had run-ins with Bruce Allen, the general manager. Yeah. I'm starting to see he's going to have some run-ins with Reggie McKenzie here. Are we going to get to the same point? Because you talk about, you know, he didn't have any good teams in Tampa. 
that Oakland team never went back to the playoffs either. Like, oh. and that's not Bill Callahan's fault. That was he inherited. If he inherited John Gruden's team, that was good enough to go to the Super Bowl. He didn't inherit all. He didn't cause all of the problems that then caused the downfall. He inherited those from John Gruden, who didn't draft well, who didn't build a good team, who's kind of doing the same thing he's doing here. Veteran guys. You know, Rich Gannon was there for a while, but like veteran old guy, you're not gonna be able to build around him. The defense old, so. Are you, are you, is the verdict that John Gruden's crazy or so crazy that it's going to work? Hill, how much money does Reggie McKenzie make? <laughs> Not exactly. enough. You have no idea. Not enough. You have no idea. Neither do I. Like, and, and we both know how much John Gruden makes. Oh, yeah. John Gruden is running that franchise. Like, mm-hmm. This idea that like Reggie McKenzie is going to tell John Gruden what to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> they, they basically might, they might as well have just given him a full-blown ownership. Hey, you own 50% of the team. Okay. So I, I, I think, I think it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I think it's crazy. We talked about it when he got hired. Both of us were kind of on the same page. I don't, I don't think it's a great hire, to be honest. I, I didn't think it when they hired him. I certainly don't think it now. They are getting older and slower in a league that is trending toward young, athletic playmakers. And just, look, just to wrap up on this, look at the division they're in. Now, mm-hmm. Denver, of course, is in a rebuild here to some degree. The Chargers are stuck to the hilt with offensive, explosive playmakers. Yep. Whether you want to talk about Keenan Allen or Melvin Gordon or Hunter Henry... And the Chiefs, I don't know if they can play an ounce of defense, but my God, are they going to score. Yeah. And the Raiders are going to try to defend Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, and Patrick Mahomes with Reggie Nelson. Like, it's just, you have to play to the teams you're going against more often than anybody else. And, like, like what, what, are you, what is the plan? Look, like, what are you doing? I, I, I do not understand it. Look, I, I didn't agree with the hire, but I'm, it's like the Joker in Batman. Like, I'm here for the chaos. I'm all for it. I'm, 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 I'm on board forced. with John Gruden now. Let's do it. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that this episode of Stack in the Box is brought to you by Fanatics. You can save 15% on all of your Fanatics stuff if you use the code FANSIDED. Spelled just the same way as the site that you love, read every day for all your NFL coverage and everything that you need. So if you want to get to those old Chucky shirts back out and bust it out, you can save 15% on it. Get a it. Rich Gannon jersey and hug it and sing lullaby. There you go. Fan-sided fanatics, you can save 15%. And if you order $50 or more, you get free shipping. So, you know, there's... You got to do it. It's there's really game. no losing in this situation. All right, last two topics here, Verderam. Sticking in the AFC, the New England Patriots got to the Super Bowl, didn't win the Super Bowl. Didn't do a whole lot in free agency, though, to get better. And no. they've not really had to do a whole lot in free agency to get better. It seems like whenever they do add somebody, like in Aqib Tlaib, it's the rich getting richer. But did anybody else in the AFC, in your mind, do enough in free agency this offseason to truly challenge the Patriots? Uh, let's start off with this. They are, for the 85th straight year, the favorite <laughs> guy in the AFC, okay? Uh, but you're right. Look, they lost Nate Solder. Mm-hmm. They lost Danny Amendola. All right? They lost Deion Lewis. They lost Malcolm Butler. They added Adrian Claiborne, but by and large, they lost more than they got. We think Gronkowski is coming back, but nobody mm-hmm. really knows for sure. Pittsburgh did nothing at all. They're capped out. Yep. I like what Houston did. I think the Honey Badger coming in, look, we know he has a lengthy injury history, but he's 25 years old. If he's healthy, he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. They're getting J.J. Watt back. They're getting Whitney Merciless back. They're getting Deshaun Watts back. Like, no team is getting more talent off of IR than Houston. Yep. The question with Houston is, can they stay healthy? And can Bill O'Brien win on the big stage? You and I have talked about that at nauseam. Anybody who listens to us knows how we feel about Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Huge question mark. I like what Tennessee's done. I don't think they're quite ready to compete yet, only because new head coach, Mariota's got to take that next step, but I think they've gone the right direction. To me, the biggest wild card in that conference, and I wrote about it in the editorial version of Stacking the Box this week, is the Chargers. No. The Chargers have the quarterback. They have the pass rush. They have great corners. They've got explosive playmakers. 
And they've upgraded that offensive line. They bring in Mike Pouncey. Forrest Lamp coming off the torn ACL should be there as well. The question I have with the Chargers is can they be consistent? Because every year we look at the Chargers and say, that's a roster that could win 11 games or 12 games. And then injuries happen or they blow games. They should never blow. The Browns yep. have won one game in two years. The Chargers. Yep. Well, San Diego at the I was time, gonna, I guess. Yeah, but. yeah, you're right. San Diego. Like, so they, much they had to move. And, yeah, they moved to L.A. Yeah, yeah they, that was when San Diego said, you know what, we're, we're done. I, I just, so to me, I look at them. The, the Chiefs, to me, look, everybody knows. I'm, I grew up a Kansas City fan. I'm biased with it. But I, I look at it and taking the bias out, I don't think that team defensively can compete. They'd have to score 40 points a game. Mm. Pats are the favorites in my mind. But I think the Chargers and the Texans are interesting as, as teams that could challenge. Yeah, the Texans are my team to really focus on this year. You know, I'm willing to give Bill O'Brien a shot here to see if he can't screw this up. Uh, he's going to be the guy. We're going to have to live in this world where he's the head coach, so let's just let's roll with it and see. You know, it's his problem to screw up here. Um, but, yeah, defensively, J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, they're getting, you know, they signed Alvin Colvin from the – or Aaron Colvin from the, uh, the Jaguars, Honey Badgers in there. That's a really that could be a really really good defense. And I'm yep. if I'm in the AFC South, if I'm Jacksonville, I'm hoping that I don't take a step back because a lot of these times these teams get into the playoffs, yep. they they surge out of nowhere and then they kind of take a step back. So this is a year I think where ten, uh, the, the Texans can win the division with talent, not not by default. And that's how it's been in years past. You know, Andrew Luck's shoulder, don't know about that. We don't know what's going on in Tennessee. They're always a wild card although they did kind of get a little bit better. Houston to me that's the team to watch. I will say this. The AFC playoffs this year were nothing more than a dumpster fire, right? Like, let's be real. New England and Pittsburgh, and Jacksonville is an exciting story. But Buffalo, they were, they were not a team that people were excited about. Tennessee, certainly not. Kansas City, one and done. The AFC playoffs could be a lot of fun this mm-hmm. year if, if it shakes out the way we're expecting. Because you'd have New England, Pittsburgh, the Chargers, the Texans. That's a lot of offensive talent. If Kansas City got in there, that's it. Like, you could have... Five teams that offensively yeah. are going to go berserk. So you could have a couple of 42, 38 games. Uh, I still think New England's a favorite until proven otherwise. I will say this, though. I do not think Pittsburgh's the biggest challenge to them anymore. I think Pittsburgh, everything lined up for them last year. Everything. They were, I, Of course, Shazier had that horrible mm-hmm. injury, but offensively they were perfectly healthy, and everything looked like it was going right. They had an easy schedule. Every quarterback they played against got hurt. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was perfect. And they couldn't win one game in the playoffs. And I just – the infighting is starting to get to a point there with Bell and Roethlisberger and Tom. I, I just – I think it's a time now for another team like a Houston or an L.A. to step up and, and make, that, make that move, make that push. We'll end on this one. Uh, the NFC playoffs were not boring last year. They were the they were opposite were of awesome. what we saw in the AFC. Uh, do you see anybody that could challenge the Philadelphia Eagles? Now, I think that – it's the Rams for reasons that we talked about. That defense is just so damn good. Wade Phillips is a fantastic defensive coordinator. Sean McVay proved himself 10 times over last year as a new head coach. Kind of shifted, uh, shifted the mold of what teams are looking for inside of a head coach. I think it's going to be the Rams this year to pay attention to and the Vikings. The Vikings are flying under the radar. They add big Sheldon Richardson on the defensive line. They've got Kirk Cousins. Let's see if you know how you like that. Let's see if the Vikings fans like that. So Vikings and the Rams, I think, are my two teams that are going to take over the NFC, and you can take us out on your pick. I like the Eagles, but here's a borderline hot take. I don't even know that I think they're going to make the playoffs next year. Because I think they're good. Don't get me wrong. But that conference is loaded. Mm. That conference, you legitimately might have to win 11 games to get in the playoffs. Mm. And I think Philly's really good. But Philly was an underdog in every playoff game last year. Now, they, they... Of course, prove everybody wrong. They win, but mm-hmm. 
you know, everybody thought Dallas and, and Seattle and Green Bay were going to be the three hot teams. Everybody thought those would be the three teams that would vie for the Super Bowl. And Zippo, none of them made nope. the playoffs. Um, I love the Rams. I think they're really interesting. I, I'm with you on both teams. Minnesota, I still really like the Saints. Yeah. I think the Saints are yep. still a really good team. And look, I get it. They lost in that, that divisional round game. But it took a miracle. Barely. They yeah. took a, and I will, for, I will go to my grave thinking that if they had played Philadelphia, they would have won that yeah, game. big time. So I, I love New Orleans. You know, I, I wanted to see Dallas make some moves in the offseason, but I just don't, I don't feel it. I don't see it. I, I think that they're kind of in a holding pattern. Uh, I think when you look at the NFC South, Atlanta's still good. Carolina, your bucks got better. The Niners are, are charging hard, but I think it's their year away. I think the, charging, or the 49ers need one more year of adding some pieces around Garoppolo. But uh, I think – and by the way, it has to be said, and I'll, I'll finish here. The Packers, like if Rodgers is healthy, that team was bringing the heat yeah. down. The, you know, and, and they were 5-1 and one before he got hurt. Like, they're always going to be in the mix. Yeah, but if I'm Minnesota and I'm Detroit, I'm licking my chops at that secondary. It's I'm looking not at good. Green Bay, and I'm it's like, oh, good. yeah. Aaron Rod- it's like the old LeBron James thing. You let LeBron get his. Let Aaron Rodgers get his, and we'll just stop. You know, We'll just and, throw all over your defense. Right. And I agree, and that's why I think the Saints, the Vikings, the Rams are all better teams. But the Packers with him are the type of team you don't want to see a team in a playoff game. Yeah. Because, yeah, their secondary stinks – but <laughs> he can throw for 500 worker. yards and you go home because it's not a best of seven. But yeah. that said, I'm with you, Vikings, Rams, and I, but me, I will take the Saints. I think they are my pick to get out of the NFC, which is an incredible conference, or at least it appears to be as we head toward the draft. There we go. month before the draft, buddy. We're doing this. Let's go. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, listen, thank you very much for watching Stacking the Box. If you're listening, thank you for giving us a listen. Please subscribe on iTunes. Give us a comment. Give us a, any kind of, you know, send us an email. By all means, go ahead. You can find both of us on fansided.com where you can read about the NFL and all other sports and entertainment. Uh, we appreciate your viewership, and we will be back next Monday, as we always are, to talk about the NFL draft and everything else going on, maybe some Odell Beckham, an update on Dominican Soup. So, for Josh Hill, I am Matt and Thank you very much, and enjoy the rest of your week. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.